Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. If you'd like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Thank you. Is this thing on? I thought I flipped it on. Is it? Okay, you can hear it now? All right, it was me. It was you guys. It was you. All right, before I get talking... Let's just get the elephant out of the room. Let's just deal with it right now. My email address is mark at haitibiblemission.org. I am going to offend somebody. I am going to hurt somebody. Just email me. I'm going to give it to you right now. My cell number is 239-464-4616. You can text me. I will delete it, and I will not read it. I just don't want anything I say or do to affect Nathan. He is one of my best friends, one of my mentors, one of my heroes. So, Nathan, I'm going to take the heat for everything that takes place today. All right? I am not a perfect father. I am not a perfect husband. I am not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect leader. I don't deserve to be up here. I'm just clearing the room right now. But I'll tell you what, I'm in love with Jesus. And I was in a wreck with Jesus years ago. When he changed my life, that's what allows me to be up here. And that is it. I am a normal person, and I just love Jesus. Amen? I was getting emotional the first song, two songs we were singing. I'm in a lot of churches And I'll just be honest, man, I was getting emotional over there because I also went to a couple sporting events with my family and kids and even in Haiti and everybody's cheering and getting excited for their team. And I very rarely, this is sad to say, but I very rarely get to be in a place with people that say they treasure and value Jesus where they walk and jump and get excited. I don't get to see that very often. That's sad, but I'm saying I'm over there going, look, at these, these people are loving Jesus. It's okay. Now, it's okay to sit in the back. I'm not criticizing saying someone's more spiritual. This leads me to my message, Nathan. I'm just, t- this is opening. I'm just saying you guys might take it for granted. I'm not. To see people up here and young people just worshiping Jesus, to me, I'm sitting there over there going, enough. This is not, you don't need me to speak. We are worshiping because God deserves everything. God deserves everything. And even like King David, when his own wife was like, man, you're an embarrassment. He's like, you want to see embarrassment? I'll show, I'll be more undignified. I will dance before the creator of everything who loves me. And that's the most important thing. So I'm just blessed to be here and watch you guys just worship. Uh, It's pretty awesome. Uh, Before I I, I share, just let me give you a little background. I know I was here several months ago, gave an update of just kind of like what I do, but I just want to help people understand. So uh, 13 years ago, I moved my newborn son and my wife to the country of Haiti. And um, my my whole goal was to, to make disciples, to empower leaders, to transform communities. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to find C and D players, your average Joes, that's me, uneducated farm boy from Iowa. I wanted to define the people that the government and the world would overlook and, and, and say, you know what? You're somebody of character and value. Let me invest in you. And I'm gonna use that to transform the world because when I open the scriptures, that's what Jesus did, right? He took 12 ordinary men and, and that's what people are like, man, this guy? Yep, that guy. Yeah, but he's a tax collector. Yeah, that guy's a fisherman. They're uneducated. Exactly. That's exactly who God wants to use. So that's, that's me. So that was my heart moving over there. What I do is I travel now and tell stories and I fundraise to put these men and women, we have a lot of women too, and by the way, just so you know, I do not disciple the women. I just wanted to make that clear. Probably got to make that clear. It's not like I'm discipling the women, you know? People are going to get offended. Um, again, my email address is mark at haitibaumission.org. <laughs> I, I fundraise and bring in funds to 
put these young men and women through school. Usually it's through high school, then on to secondary school, college. I want to see them be successful at what God's called them to, to be. You want to be a doctor? Okay, I'll pay for everything. But while you're going to school, we're going to put you in discipleship program. We're going to put you in, involved in the local church you're going to serve. You're going to go through money management classes. You know, we're, we're going to do marriage classes, even if you're single, because we want to teach these young men and women how to not only be successful in the world and business, right, and their dreams, but we want them to have a foundation of Christ. Amen? I see too many times we got all these people that are just like one side or the other. It's like we want people to be successful, which is great, but they, they're not really contributing to spiritual. And then the flip side of ministry is, hey, we want to teach them the Bible, but then they have no way to minister to the people around them financially. And I feel like to transform a community, we want to see families that treasure Jesus, that are raising their kids in the gospel, being able to help serve and buy food and rice for their neighbors so they're not just like, well, we're poor, you're poor, okay, nothing we can do. Hey, I have, can I help you? So that's what I do. I get the privilege of doing that. Uh, six months a year I'm here, six months a year I'm in Haiti. And so I get to tell stories of what God's doing with these leaders. I also get to, to raise the money to help see their, these men and women fulfill their dreams of becoming whatever it is they want to become. And I can say that this year was actually a blessing in spite. Everybody knows the earthquake that happened two months ago, right? I was actually in the States with my family. And it happened. I got a call first thing in the morning. Uh, I'm in Florida, and uh, my director of uh, operations there in Haiti, Elda, he goes, just had a major earthquake. He goes, the country's a mess, everything. He's like, we're heading downtown. Lacey looks and goes, hey, are you heading over? I'm like, no. I got to be in Houston tomorrow. I got meetings for three days. And I said, this is why I'm glad I'm in the U.S. a lot is because you guys get to see that I have spent 13 years discipling, equipping, and training these men and women for such a time as this. They don't need the white guy. They don't need the American. I have equipped and empowered them. And the very first thing they did is they went down and met with the mayor and the police said, what can we do the hospital? And they're like, hey, we need food. They're like, we got food. And they, well, we'll bring it. And they're like, well, we need help cooking it. They're like, well, we can do that too. They cooked over 300 meals a day for every sick person and every medical staff and doctor and nurse in the hospital for the first seven days after the earthquake. Can you imagine that? They, they did so much. And that's what was a privilege to me. As I was in Houston, Means, they're like, you don't need to be there. I was like, nope. They got it. They want me there, but they don't need me. That's what I set out to do. And now in the next couple of years, we're trying to launch. Here's my vision casting here, because you guys are going to want to get in, get in on this. <laughs> we want to launch another Haiti Bible Mission site. We don't want to get bigger. We're going to just take what we're doing, that model. I mean, I got like 42 young men and women who are not only running that, but running businesses. Let's do one a couple hours away from Jeremy. Let's, let's, let's find some other uneducated, untrained men and women who have a heart and character and humility, and let's equip and empower and disciple them and give them the training they need so that that can be saturated, and we can just start having pockets of Haiti Bible Mission living out. Amen? That, that's, that's what I want to do. So it's going to be exciting to see the next few years. Here's what's cool, too. Guess who's going to be doing all that training? Who do you think is going to be trained in the next Haitians? The leaders I've trained. That's what we want, multiplication. We want to see the leaders training and equipping leaders. So that's, I'm like a proud dad up here. You can see that, right? I'm like, I am just so happy to be able to say that that is taking place. I've never been a big numbers guy. I know that's shocking to all of you. But I think the last few years, I realized that sometimes numbers can help us, right? Just, just to kind of measure and see, because I've always been like, oh, it's, it's just hard. But just in the last two months, let me just tell you that we've distributed over 300,000 pounds of food in around Jeremy. We provided medical care for 1,514 people, 136 
people came to know Christ, 136. Distributed 1,200 tarps, hundreds of bucket filters and hygiene kits, the list goes on of things we did. I, that is my leaders and that is God. That is that. Is that. It's dry air up here, guys, I'm not gonna lie to you. I like the humidity, you know. Haiti had just come up here and I gotta drink my smart water. But I'm just blessed to, to see all that we've been able to do, my team, and what God has been able to do. And I know tonight I'm supposed to share stories, but I'll take a couple minutes and just share with you a, a story real quick to, give, to whet your appetite. It's, it's been a little traumatized, I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, I'm sitting there at the airport taking in these, these helicopters. Anybody that follows us on Facebook, Instagram, you see it. These military choppers are coming in. We're just doing all this food distribution. I got people coming up. While we're unloading these helicopters, it, there's people coming up, Pastor Mark, we gotta get this guy airlifted. And I'm watching people, right, with crushed skulls, with broken backs and arms and limbs and just bloody. And what I'm witnessing and the trauma I'm going through and trying to help these people. And you save some and you can't save some. And I just met with my counselor on Friday. And he's like, how are you managing all this? And I start to cry. I'm like, I'm trying to deal with, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it can be hard. And then it's like, okay, but let me tell you some good stuff. There's a kid, you can see it on our Instagram. It was a few weeks ago. He's been cut open from down, I guess, by his, um, down here below his belly button, all the way up to the middle of his chest. He had to, he had to have some major operations inside. And he, he got an infection because of it. And they said, Pastor Mark, can you help us? I'm like, of course. We got to get a medevac. We're going to get a plane. Uh, I, we go down with my team. I'm there for this now. We, we get him, and we're taking him and his mom, and we're getting him airlifted to Port-au-Prince, and I'm paying for everything. This is what your guys' money goes to. We get a successful operation, a lot of coordination, a lot of stress. We're making it work, okay? He's healed. We get him back on a flight. He comes back. Well, then a couple weeks go by, and we're, we're constantly checking on him. We go up to check on him, and now this is, this is another great thing because it's not me checking on him. It's my Haitian leaders. So Pastor Elder goes to check on him. Comes up there and everything's good. He takes a picture of the family. The older sister, she's 15 years old. Listen, 15. She says, Pastor Hilda, let me ask you a question. He goes, what's up? She goes, why, why would you do this for my brother? You flew him in an airplane to Port-au-Prince and paid for everything to save my brother's life. He's like, I know. He says, because if we didn't do it, he would die. Number two is he says, God loves us loves me and loves you. And he goes, we wanted to show you God's love through this action. This is what she says. Sorry, I get emotional because this is the best part. She says, could you tell me more about Jesus? She says, I want what you have. Yes. 15 years old. <laughs> and now their family's going to Eldest Church. These are the stories. I've got a ton of stories of what God is doing. So is the country a mess? It's an absolute mess. It's the worst it's been. There was another earthquake last night. Lacey called me this morning and said, hey, it was a 3.9. It knocked some of the kids' cups off the, off the table. It was shaking. Um, they blocked all the roads all week. Um, they haven't been able to go anywhere, getting the supplies. We had stocked up. We're, we're fine. And it's just hard. But isn't God still good? Lives are being changed. And here's the thing. I'm happy to suffer and go through that for the sake of this 15-year-old girl. Because that's what people are paying attention to. Why would you do this? Because God loves me and God loves you, and I want you to see that. So that's a little taste. I think tonight we'll share some more stories. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I'm allowed to say tonight. Hopefully there'll be no video because some of it could be funny, but also maybe inappropriate. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very strong possibility with me. Nathan reminded me, Pastor Mark, please, please, no profanity from the pulpit. I'm like, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I can't promise. <laughs> 
Nathan said, give him, give him Mark Stockwell. I said, you don't want that, dude. You don't want that. Because hanging with gangsters and policemen and all that I do, it's, uh, I live a little different life. I'm not going to lie to you. That, but I'm, I'm passionate about that. I, I do things differently in my life, but I'm trying to reach people that are different. They don't look and sound and talk like you, and that's okay. But I, if you're not going to reach them, I'm going to reach them. If I was in Hanover or Spring Grove here, I'd be going after the same people. That's, that's my heart. So, but yes, I do need to clean up a few things. Steve reminds me all the time. So... Guys, can we pray? And then I'm just going to give you um, give you something I guess God put on my heart. And actually, I'll, I'll tell one more quick story. So I was in the middle of trying to pray about God. What do you What do you want me to to share when I get to Providence? Like, just give me something inspirational. What do you want? And and I started coming up with what I w- was going to share. And then then I felt like it was going to change, and I moved back. And here's why I thought it was going to change. I'm just going to share this real quick. So both of my sons made some big mistakes a week and a half ago. And um, anyway, I, I was a little frustrated, but one cost me money, the other one didn't, but it was, it was still frustrating. Well, that son came in, and I had bought him a gift, and he set it on my dresser, and he started to walk out. I said, whoa, whoa, where are you going? What's, what's up with that? He goes, Daddy, he goes, I screwed up. He goes, I don't deserve it. I was like, whoa. Tears start coming down my face. I'm like, Barrick, I was like, I did not buy that for you based on merit or anything. I bought you that because I am so madly in love with you because you are my son. And I love you. And I'm crying. He starts crying. He's like, Dad, I'm so sorry I messed up. He says, son, it doesn't matter. I don't take back the gift. And then I just got thinking, there's my 13-year-old who feels like because he messed up, he doesn't deserve that. And I said, I wonder how many people in the church need to hear that you are loved regardless of that sin and that thing that you feel. You know, I have screwed up and made too many mistakes and I'm unlovable and I don't deserve. You might think that, but you know what? God, your father's like, I love you so much. So I don't know, that's not my message because I feel like God has something else, but I just wanna share that because nothing else that I'm gonna say matters if you don't know the love of Jesus. If there's somebody in here that you, you know Jesus, but you're like, you know, I'm far from him because you're just living that distance. Like, you know what, Father, I, I don't deserve it. Accept the Father's love. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Nothing that Nathan does or this church or that I say is gonna make any sense if you go home and you're still on your way to hell and you don't experience the love and forgiveness of our heavenly Father. I do not have a great relationship with my earthly father. And sometimes that taints and hinders, right? That relationship with my... Heavenly Father, and I don't want that. Because when I was talking to my counselor and I was kind of beating myself up, he looked at me and says, Mark, he says, what would you say to a five-year-old version of yourself? Son, Mark, dude, it's okay. You're gonna screw up. You're gonna mess up. It's okay. I'm your dad. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Dude, there's nothing you can do that's gonna make me not love you because you are my son. And some of you need to hear that today because I need that. So that is not my message again. But we're preaching a lot of messages today. <laughs> I'm a very passionate person. I know that's shocking. But I, I, need to, I need to be reminded of that, amen? God, you love me so much, and God loves every one of you, and I want you to go home today feeling loved by your heavenly Father. That's very, very important. So let's pray, and then uh, I'll just ask God to give me wisdom as I try to navigate. I've been distracted the last couple weeks with everything, but um, just share with you a little message on my heart. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, I've got so many dear friends here that I've spent years just growing in my marriage and my walk with God and my family. And God, I thank you for Pastor Nathan. 
God, he's one of my best friends, uh, somebody I look up to. God, I pray that you'd protect and guard his marriage, his family. God, I pray you'd bless this community, this ministry, God. Give, give this uh, church and these leaders favor and wisdom. God, I pray right now, God, that you would just clear my heart, my mind. God, I pray that the words that come out, God, would be you. God, I just ask for your Holy Spirit and presence to just fill this place. God, thank you for your goodness, and it's your precious name we pray. Amen. So today I really want to talk about, I guess, what it looks like to, to live an effective life, to live an effective life for Christ. I don't know if you guys brought your Bibles. I, I'm not big on the whole technology thing, but 2 Peter chapter 1, see a couple people got a Bible, not criticizing, I just, I, I do like the Bible. I think we got it for the, the overhead possibly, but 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm just going to focus on verses 5 through 9. Let me quick read those to us here. I'm reading from the ESV, 2 Peter Chapter one, verses five through nine. Here's what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So what does it look like maybe to, to be ineffective, unaffected? What would you say if your water filter system at your house only filtered out, let's say, 8% of the impurities? That's pretty ineffective. That'd be pretty dangerous. What if your cell phone could only charge maybe to 50% or 40%? I don't, that would be pretty ineffective, right? Be having to find a place to charge it every few hours. How about your car? Maybe you buy a car that's supposed to get 30, 35 miles to the gallon and it gets seven or 12. That's pretty ineffective, right? Maybe you got a gym membership. You only use it once a month. That's probably ineffective. Nathan Herndon. Um, <laughs> you knew that was coming. You did, didn't you? I mean, we played basketball Friday, Saturday, and Friday we struggled. But you played a little bit like Charles Barkley, didn't you? Like, I'm not talking from the 80s and 90s there. I'm talking like where he is today. <laughs> like, like, as the announcer, that bar, I just, dude, I love you so much. We lost most all the games on Friday, and we won most of them yesterday, and we redeemed ourselves. It was good. But, guys, imagine if we lived our life with, with, if we lived our life with these things, that minimal effectiveness, can you imagine that? Think about that. Like we, we expect things, hey, charge 100%. We get in our car, we're like, hey, we're gonna get 30 miles a gallon. What if things aren't being as effective? Like imagine trying to live your life that way. I grew up on the farm. I know Chad Markle, you're here. I think a combine, right, doesn't have 12. I think we have several farmers here. 12, doesn't it harvest 12 rows of corn in there in the combine head? What, what if you only had two working? Would you be like, hey, man, that's fine. I mean, we've got two working. That's pretty ineffective, am I right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't be okay with that. We'd be like, hey, you know what? This is very inefficient. I've still got 500 acres to harvest, but it's gonna take me forever, and the stress load feels unbearable if you go, I've only got two working, am I right? So what would you do? I'd probably go, you know what? This is very ineffective. I'd probably call a mechanic, come and work on the other 10 so I could have all 12 working, because then I'm like, I'm not harvesting any more corn. It's just gonna make the corn that I have to harvest that much quicker and easier, am I right? I would think that we would want to try to figure out how to be effective, not ineffective. But I feel like there's a problem in the church today is that we are not 
living up to the potential and being effective like God wants us to be. I feel at times that we wake up maybe and we're like, you know what, I wanna be effective in my marriage and life and church. I, I wanna do well at my job. I wanna raise my kids and be effective. I wanna serve in the church and be effective. I wanna be effective in my I think deep down we all wake up, right? And like we want to go make an impact, live an effective life. But I feel at times that we've become very stagnant in our walk and we're actually not being effective as, as Christ wants us to be. So what does God say in these verses about how to live an effective life? Well, first thing is verse five, I say, he says, for this very reason, make every effort. So my thing is work hard at God's plan. It's got two main points. Work hard at God's plan. Let me be clear, though, that this is not talking about when I say this. Verses three and four, God's talking about that you're already my child. You've, he's already given us everything to life and godliness. He's called us to be partakers of his divine nature. So when I say work hard at God's plan, this isn't like, okay, now I've got to work hard for salvation. No, this is what Peter's saying here. He's like, all right. You're on my team, I've called you, welcome to the kingdom, all right? You're my son and daughter, but here's what I want you to do. You've got the faith, now let's add to that. Let's work hard moving forward and add to the faith so that we can grow and be effective. That's what he's saying. This is not for salvation. We're saying he wants us to add and supplement and work hard, make every effort. He's saying work hard on the good qualities, that's what he's saying. I'm not gonna go down and break all these down. That's for Keith Dyke to do, all right? That is his job. That's your job, bro. You pull all, all these out, the godliness, the self-control. But you see that going into verse six, seven, and eight. He's saying, guys, you have the faith, but supplement, add to your faith. After we were, uh, worked out, Nathan, and played ball, the supplement, I, I'm sore, I'm tired, we lifted weights. I could just say, well, I'm gonna eat dinner tonight, but what do I do? I go take a supplement. I add to that a little protein so that I can still you know, act and, well, that with like six ibuprofen. Um, it was definitely, yeah, that, that helps too, right, Steve? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. This is what I'm getting at, though. We work hard, because he says, make every effort and supplement your faith with virtue. He goes down the list. So he's like, work hard on these things. But here's my thing. I think Peter wants us to work hard on the fruits of the Spirit. He wants to work hard on the things that matter to God and God's plan. But here's what I think. We work hard on the things that matter to us. We work hard going to the gym to see how things, how we can get bigger. We work hard at our jobs so we can get that promotion and make more money. And Peter's saying, are you working hard on the things of holiness? Are you working hard on the things that God wants you to work hard on? That's what he wants. So that you can be effective instead of ineffective. I don't know if Ethan Herndon is in here, but he is one of the best basketball players. Is Ethan here? He's here. I'm going to brag on him. I have watched him. I remember playing with him when, he, when I was taller than he was. And I'm just going to brag because I want to use him as an illustration because I'm proud of you. He is one of the most phenomenal basketball players I've ever seen. And I played college ball and I played with a lot of guys in Florida. I've had professionals come over and play basketball in Haiti and, and do stuff and I have seen a lot of guys. I have never seen somebody, especially at his age, and shoot the percentage he does in the moves. It's second to none. I would choose Ethan Herndon on my team every single time, and I'm dead serious. When I'm not up here just BSing and blowing smoke, he is an absolute phenomenal player. But I want you to know this. I can tell since April when I was up here and played with him that he has improved since April. I said, you've been working hard. I talk to you every time. You're like, man, he's working and he's doing all these things. 
He's working hard. What did I ask you yesterday? You know what I asked you when I got to the gym. I said, Ethan, I said, I'm so proud of you. You're awesome. I said, you've been working hard. He's, yes, sir. I said, can I just ask you a question? He goes, what's up, Mark? I said, are you reading your Bible and working just as hard at godliness and loving the treasure in Jesus? He paused for a moment, looked at me and said, no, Mr. Mark. He goes, I haven't been. I said, can I just tell you that I love you so much? I would just love to see you work hard at the things that really matter. I said, because people are going to look up to you because you are an absolute stud. You know that. You know that you're, you're gifted. People in this world, we idolize, right? The good looking, the rich, the famous. If he keeps going the way he's going, people are going to follow him. Are you with me? But if we're gonna set the example and be set apart and be in light and the dark, then, then we have to have the qualities that God wants us to work on that Peter's saying here, add to your faith. Okay, he says he loves Jesus, but is he growing in these areas? Is he being effective? That depends on how hard he works at those things. Guys, we are already on God's team. We're already on God's team. God's like the coach. He's like, hey, welcome to the team. Here's your jersey. Welcome. You can't get kicked off the team. I'm wearing the jersey. God's just like, could you learn some of the plays? Just work on some of the plays, bro. I mean, imagine if, imagine if Brady, you know what I mean? He's like, all right, he's looking for Gronk, but Gronk has just been partying, doesn't know what's going on. You know, and Brady thinks he's there and he's, well, what in the world's going on, right? There has to be some work that goes in. You don't work to make the team. You're working to be efficient. Because when everybody's learning the plays and everybody together's on the team saying, hey, you're blocking, you're doing this, okay, you're running, all right, I'm gonna fake here, I'm gonna do this. We all are working hard to know what's going on. Guess what? That team is very effective. Am I, am I right? Little side note here is verse eight. I love this because he says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, and are increasing. God, Peter here and God, they're not describing a stagnant life. You notice that? If these qualities are yours and are increasing, he's not describing a stagnant life. He has no expectation that like, okay, now that you're saved and you, you know what I mean? You're my child that you're just gonna stay here. You plant corn, Chad. I, do, are you satisfied when it stays right here? Oh, you're not? You, you want it to grow? Think there's an expectation for us to grow? I've got four kids. I'm so thankful that they can go to the bathroom and take care of things themselves. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But you know what? There's a lot of things that were very cute and funny about raising kids and, 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 and little ones, watching them try to eat and, you know, hey, no, use your fork and cut it. And they're trying to, you know, because they're always grabbing the pancake with syrup, you know what I mean, and stuff it and then run their hands through their hair and you're just like, oh, take a picture. And you're like, no, don't do that. Then you stick a fork in their hand and you teach them to use the fork and then what do they do? They grab the pancake and they stuff it on the fork and then they eat it. It's exactly, sometimes I still like to do it. Here's my point though, that's cute and it's funny when a two-year-old does it. When a 12-year-old does it, it's no longer cute, it's, it's sad and embarrassing. Because something has not happened mentally or physically, spiritually, where you have not grown, that corn has not grown, that kid has not grown to become an adult to say, you know what, I have actually grown. I'm increasing in my faith. I'm increasing in the qualities that God has called me to be, to do. Make every effort. Work hard. You guys ask your pastor for help. Ask, ask an elder deacon, hey, I need, I need help with this. 
I want to grow. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. Do you make every effort or is it just an excuse? To me, to me, it's sharpening the ax. To me, it's fixing the combine head, right, Chad? I'm not doing any more. I'm just being more effective because the ax is sharper. I'm, just, I'm, do, I'm doing the same amount of corn because sometimes people are like, oh, Mark, you're adding more work to me. I'm not adding more work. I'm just saying grow in these qualities and you'll be more effective. You got 20 trees to cut down. If my ax is sharper because I spend a little bit of time sharpening, I'm gonna cut the same amount of trees, but I'm probably doing half the time. We need to be effective. So work hard at God's plan. Second thing is, watch out for distractions. Look at verse nine. I think this verse tells us why we are failing at being effective. Verse nine says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. The word blind can mean mentally blind or shrouded by smoke, like a smoke cloud. That's what it means there. So I know that in the military, where's my military? Anybody served in the military? Thank you. I respect you guys. I love you so much. We are free because of them. Thank you so much. Anytime I get law enforcement and military, thank you guys. <laughs> Sunlight nerd. You know the smoke grenade, right? You know the strategy behind that. You throw that in there, boom, smoke. What's it do? It hinders the enemy and people from being able to see. He's like, for whoever lacks these qualities near sight, he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. It's a smoke screen. It, 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 it's something that's hindering our vision. A smoke grenade. Guys, can I tell you, we need to clear the smoke so we can see Jesus in the cross? If we're not being productive in our walk with God, it boils down to one thing. I'm gonna tell you right now, it boils down to one reason. We have forgotten that we have been saved from our sins. That's it. If we're not being effective, it just boils down to one reason. You have forgot, you are blind and nearsighted, you forgot that you were saved from that life back there. That Mark Stockland back there, oh yeah, he's crazy. Guess what, I've been saved from that. I'm not judging anybody else who's living like that because I know that was me. And I'm changed and I'm different, yet I'm still broken, I'm still sinning. But you know what? I want to remember, I want to see God. Get rid of the stuff hindering my view because I don't want that smoke. I want to be able to see the cross. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is what it says. When you think about forgetting. It says, when you get into the promised land and you build your houses, and you have eaten and you are full. When your flocks and herds multiply, be careful not to forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You know what I notice all throughout scripture? There's a tendency for us to forget God when life becomes easy. Am I lying? God, I'm struggling with my finances. God provides a good job. You got your bills paid. Oh, man, this is great. Hey, have you been reading your Bible? Oh, no, I've just been so busy with my new job and career. Hey, God, I, I, would you provide a spouse for me? Because I'd love to be married. Oh, hey, man, you're married now for a couple of years. How are things going? Oh, man, you know, I've just been so busy trying to serve. Life. What? Things start to get good. You, how's that house? I know you were in that apartment. Now you built that new house. How are things going? Oh, man, I'm just so stressed out trying to get all that yard work done. You know what I mean? 
got that new mower, got, it, got all those things, and I gotta pay for it all. Things get good and we tend to forget because God is all throughout scripture saying, be careful when you get in the promised land. There were multiple times that he said that because he knew our hearts tend to forget. Do you remember what it was like being back there? I sometimes find myself complaining. Nathan, we'll talk, right, as pastors and be like, man, I remember, and I know the band can come up when they're ready. I know that when we were first starting out, things were hard. And the problems, we were like, man, if we could one day have this, oh boy, that would be great, wouldn't it? Then we get there and we've got a whole new set of problems and we're complaining about stuff. We're like, man, this is ex we're exactly where we wanted to be. God, forgive us. Forgive me for complaining. Forgive me for allowing the distractions to hinder. God, allow, forgive me for forgetting. Don't forget. Are things hard? This doesn't mean that just because they got in the promised land that things weren't gonna be challenging moving forward. But there is a tendency in our lives, right? That when things get better, that we forget. When we're blind and nearsighted and we lack these qualities, it says it's because we have forgotten we forgot, oh my goodness, God, forgive me. I forgot, you saved me. You're the, you're the provider for all these things for me. Without you, God, I have none of it. Imagine if we lived our daily lives, guys, nearsighted, how this would affect us. Just think about being nearsighted. I think about, I was talking to Lacey as I was preparing my message and she said, tell them what it's like driving in Haiti. You can't, you can't afford to be nearsighted. I drive in Haiti every day. There are people walking everywhere. I can't just look like this. There are potholes and there are people and there's donkeys and there's animals. It, it, it's absolutely chaos. There's motorcycles everywhere. I've hit donkeys. Yep, I've had to apologize. You got people selling stuff in the roads. There's open markets. You know, you know what I mean? And I've had to pay for people's fruit that I've crushed. You know what I mean? You're embarrassed. You're like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't see that. But you can't just drive around with like braille. You know what I mean? Like smash, oh, a little left, smash. Like you got eyes open so you're not hitting stuff. You got, I have to drive through. And then you know that there's also things I have to watch out for like violence and gangs and people because I've got to watch out and make sure that I see everything going on it can be a little stressful when I drive to Port-au-Prince or drive to Lakai it's it's a totally different world my, my eyes will hurt and my shoulders will hurt because the, the, the tensity but I've got to keep my eyes open I cannot afford to just look like this I've got to see the big picture of what's going on I can't afford to be nearsighted what would it be like if you were nearsighted trying to drive your car? How about hunting? Any hunters out here? Yeah, you can't. There's a couple. You can't find the ketchup right in front of them in the fridge, but they can see a deer like 100 yards through the woods, right? Wow. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. My wife, I'll get, done, I'll get done playing 18 holes of golf. I'll get done playing 18 holes of golf, and my wife will go, How do, oh, man, uh, number four, I hit this one over here, and I remember every shot. And then she's like, hey, did you get eggs on the way back? Oh, my goodness, I completely forgot. I can see a golf ball go way up in the sky, but I can't find the ketchup and mustard right there in the fridge. It's right on the door where Lacey said it was. If you're watching this, Lacey, you were right as always. What would it be like being nearsighted trying to play sports? Running a route, dribbling, Ethan, shooting baskets, being nearsighted. Can't see that hoop's a little too far away. Wonder what it would be like trying to hike to a beautiful location. This gets me. 
I'm an outdoor guy. Hike into a beautiful location. Imagine what I would miss. Imagine what you would miss if you were nearsighted trying to hike to a beautiful location. But we as God's children are living like this. It's affecting the church. It's hindering our growth and reach to outsiders. God, I don't want to come into church and be so nearsighted on my problems and what I'm going through that I miss it. This single mom's working three jobs with four kids because she was in an abusive relationship and she's struggling. God, open my eyes to that. God, forgive me for being so focused on the fact that I need more money and I forgot that my coworker said he just wanted to have a hug because no one's hugged him. When, when I'm nearsighted, I tend to look at my problems. When we're nearsighted, we're only looking at what's right in front of us and we're blind. We're missing the big picture of what God wants to be effective for the kingdom and for God's church. I don't want to miss that. I was at a hotel a couple days ago in Westchester for a, for a conference and checking in, the lady said, how are you? I said, good, because God is good. And the manager goes, did you hear that girl? God is good. And I said, do you not believe it? And she goes, no, I, I kind of do. She's, I was like, well, tell me, do, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, she's like, I, I try not to sin and I, I know I need to go to church. I just told her, I said, can I just tell you right now that I'm a pastor and I sin every day. If we're gonna base this on sinning, I, I don't, I'm not going. <laughs> but I can just tell you that you're loved, that God loves you, he just wants a relationship with you. All those other things, we're gonna work on those. But right now, what if I just went in and said, you know what, there's earthquakes happening in Haiti right now. There's people starving. Are there? Yes, it's happening. There's a family kidnapped. It's tragic. But I'm not so focused on those things that I miss that there's a woman who just wants to hear that God loves her at a hotel in Westchester. I don't even live there, but I wanna share Jesus with the people that God has put. Why? Because I'm not gonna walk around blind because that was me back there. And now I'm here because that, that cross, yeah, Jesus, hey, yeah, he saved me. And I'm gonna have my eyes open to the people and the situations going all around me. I don't wanna see this church operating with two of those combine heads working. I'd like to see us be effective and efficient. I'd like to see this church actually work hard on God's plan, the things that matter. To be effective. So how do I live out these qualities and grow as I should? I ask myself those things all the time, right? God, what do you want me to do? How, do? how do I do this? I think we may need to stop something and I think we may need to start something. I think we may need to stop some things that have become a distraction in our lives. And I think we need to start working harder at God's plan, on God's plan. What do you need to stop in your life right now? What is that smoke grenade, that smoke screen that is, that is keeping you from seeing the cross? Is it television? Is it Facebook? You know one of my biggest distractions? Smoke. 
I've got accountability partners that try to remind me, Mark, you, you told me you weren't gonna be on your phone after six. How you doing with that? Because when I, after six o'clock, when I'm on this, I'm not doing what God wants me to do and spend time with my lovely wife, Lacey, and my four beautiful children. Working hard at God's plan. Why? Because I need to stop something in my life that's hindering me, that smoker day that's going off. Man, I can't see the cross. That's because it's pretty hard to see the cross when you got this distraction. Oh, is there a lady over there that's hurting? Oh, okay. I can't see that. What is it in your life right now that you need to stop? Until you stop something, it's gonna be hard to start something new because they're just gonna be fighting each other. I love just adding, because God just gives me scripture, but in Galatians, when he talks about the fruits of the spirit, you know that God talks about the fruit, it's like a cluster. It's like a cluster of grapes. It's, it's the fruits, it's, it's, it's together. I know in my, I'm just sharing you, you wanted me to give them me, Here, here's me. There are times that I could be critical of somebody. How could that pastor fall into sexual sin? How could that guy do that? Very critical, you know, of somebody that would do something horrendous. And I go, well, Mark, if you look at Galatians and it talks about sexual morality and it talks about all these other things and it says fits of anger, oh crap. I've had major problems with anger my whole life. I've gone to counseling pretty hard for me to be who God wants me to be when that anger inside me is tainting the other fruits. Whenever you go shopping at the grocery store, what do we do? It's like, oh, look, we can't have that because that's getting all the other fruit in us. We, we pick and find the one that doesn't have the bad fruit because otherwise the other fruit's around it. So what do you need to stop? I'm like, God, help me with my anger because I want to be generous. It was hard for me to live a generous lifestyle when I'm living in sin with anger over here. God, would you help me stop this because I can't serve in my local church while I'm struggling with pornography over here. God, what do you want me to stop? I'm watching so much television that I'm not seeing these people at church that just need a hug and need to be loved. I don't know what that is for you. I I only know what, what hinders me and I know what I need to stop. As I'm preparing this message, oh my goodness, a flood of emotions. Because Mark is like, you know, there's a bunch of Mark Stockton sitting out there. That's me. I, I have things I need to stop. Now I'm going to ask you, what do you need to start in your life? What do you need to start in your life? What do you need to start doing? Because if if we're gonna work hard, what Peter says is make every effort and to supplement, work hard at these things. What do you need to start doing? I bought a lot of books recently, that's me. I'm one of those guys that when I'm in Haiti and traveling, I'm reading books, learning to lead like Jesus. I'm reading that book now and I got some others that I'm, getting ready to go through. I'm trying to always push to grow. What, what do you need to start doing? Do you need to start serving in church? Do you need to start meeting with an elder deacon to help you grow in some areas? Do you need to start tithing? Do you start giving up your time to the church, to the community? Do you, start, do you need to start spending prayer and devotion time with your wife, your spouse, your children? 
I think those are good places to start, but I don't know where you're at. I know where I'm at. And I know that some of the things that distract me when I get rid of that and get rid of that smoke screen, I go, okay, God, now you've opened my eyes to see, man, I, I gotta work on these areas and I want to grow in these areas. Guys, there's a lot to do for the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people who need Jesus, am I right? And I'm telling you guys, we cannot afford to be ineffective any longer. Do you guys see what's going on in the world today? Do you? Are your, don't lie to me. Do you really see what's going on in the world? It's complete chaos. This is exactly what we, when you re- read this, you know what's going on. Satan loves division. Vaccine, no vaccine. Mask, no mask. This or that. Famines, earthquakes. Do you guys see what's going on? Now is the time the team has to step up and run the plays and go, we know what we're doing. We're on God's team. Let's go. We know who's defending us, the enemy. We know Satan's out there combating, but we're gonna go on the offense now because we can no longer just sit back and take the blows. We have to be effective. But I believe if we work hard on God's plan, I believe if, if we remove the smoke that's hindering our view, our lives, will become more effective. And I believe we will see the kingdom of God advance. And I believe we will see people come to know Jesus. That's what we want. Is that what you want? I wanna win. I'm on God's team and I already know we're gonna win, but I wanna win together. Because I'm not in Hanover. I'm not in Spring Grove. I'm not in York. You guys are. So if we're gonna do this together and be effective as a team, let's work hard on God's plan. And let's clear the smoke that's been hindering and blocking our view, amen? Just close your eyes for a minute right now. and I just wanna pray and I just wanna ask you like, if, to imagine with me what, what your marriage would look like Keep your eyes closed and just pray before God. What would your marriage look like if you started living a more effective life? Working hard at God's plan. What would your marriage look like? How about your family and children? What would that look like? See those children, those grandchildren starting to be more effective because daddy and mommy have been working hard at God's plan and removing those distractions. Whatever community you guys live in, let me ask you that. What what would your community look like if every single person in this church was living an effective life for the gospel? What would this church look like What would this church look like if hundreds of people came in living an effective life for the gospel with eyes wide open? Lastly, I'd ask, what would your workplace, I don't know where you guys work or if you're retired, just if you're still working, think about it. What would your workplace look like if you were more effective for the gospel? If you were showing grace to that coworker that needed grace, if you were hugging and loving that person that needed love and hug, 
what would that workplace look like? We're living in times, people, as we're praying here. These are hard times. But God knew these days were coming. He's got all of us on the team and he wants to use us. We wanna be effective. We need to love those that are unlovable and remember that a lot of times we're that person. I'm that person that's hard to love. Some that has a different viewpoint than us. The only way I can love them, the only way you can love them is spending time with Jesus. So they have a different political view. That's okay. God loves them. Show them grace, show them love. Let's be effective. Let's work hard on God's plan. Remove the smoke so we can see the cross and see what Jesus has done for us. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 